Hello everyone and welcome to the Brunton Bugle, the number one place to get your car United fix in the podcast world. I'm Lee Rooney. I'm Dan McLennan. How are we going to fit it all in? A mad few days sees McCurdy run riot, incidents outside nightclubs, goalkeeper, coach, manager and director of football leaving for the return of club legend Paul Simpson into the hot seat at Brunton Park. Also a couple of games to fit in there too. Just just an average week at uh, Brunton Park, isn't it, Dan? Yeah. Unbelievable. Of course, isn't it? Wow. I mean... What a football club. It's just incredible, isn't it? People think I joke when I say there is not another club like us. And I think this last week has proved me right once and for all. It's just like, just everything that happens, just, it's just, wow. <laughs> Absolutely wow, isn't it? It's just incredible. But there you go, we've got a lot to fit in, haven't we, Dan? So uh, we might as well get straight into it, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> so, it's fair to say. So, I mean, um, first up, obviously, as we said there, it's been a crazy three or four days, but I think things very much sort of came to a head on Wednesday, didn't it, Dan? I mean, huge changes in the football management side of things. I mean... Actually, we should go to Tuesday first. Prior to that, um, a bit of news came out there. Shock departure of goalkeeping coach Dan Hanford after just eight months in the role. He was, didn't really actually notice this, but he wasn't on the bench against Swindon Town at the weekend. Um, interesting to see whether a replacement is sought. We're hearing whispers, I think, aren't we, that someone is... I think there's one in the building today to be announced today. Okay. It's Thursday early afternoon when we're recording. Uh, by the time we were out, it'll probably be announced or out there probably. Yeah, you'd imagine so. So there, there, Dan's moved on. Obviously, I'm presuming they'll probably go back into some of his work. He, he lived in Carl, didn't he? So he's he probably gone back to yeah. doing similar to what he was doing before. Um, I mean, after the disastrous result against the Robins at the weekend, I think most fans were anticipating the departure of manager Keith Millen. I think we thought it was going to be either Sunday morning or Monday morning, didn't we? When it didn't happen, we were sort of, well, maybe he's been giving the Lane Oren game to one last chance to turn it around. But... As it was, we only had to wait a couple more days and the club confirmed that the former Bristol City boss had left the club by mutual consent. Um, just 48 minutes later, the news was followed up by a statement confirming that Director of Football David Holdsworth had stepped down from his position as part of a restructure of the football department as well. Uh, just initial thoughts, Dan, before we get into a bit of detail. Wow, what a, what a busy day. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about who came <laughs> in to replace him, obviously, shortly, but we'll talk about these two first. I mean... Incredible, isn't it? Yeah, and it, it all it all happened so quickly, didn't it? It was like bang, bang, bang. Oh. Uh, obviously, all separate stories on their own, but clearly interlinked when you yeah, yeah. you put the pieces together. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's talk about Millen first. I mean, it was pretty inevitable, wasn't it? After the run of results we'd had, that he, his job was in danger. Yeah, uh, I think I think at the weekend the rumour seemed to be that he had Orient this week as a, like a do or die game. Uh, I think the level of anti Keith Millen chat on Saturday, Sunday, Monday mm. probably surprised some people at the club. 
that's uh, like uh, we, we've both been on radio, haven't we, this week? Mm, and yeah, we, we're stressing Keith Millen isn't a bad bloke. No, he's no, a, no. He's, a nice, he's a nice fella. He's just he wasn't a very good manager for us. He was the wrong appointment, as clearly has been shown. Yeah. And you know, I mean, nobody's been abusive towards him. They just didn't want him managing the team. You know, it's. It was quite toxic last weekend for the Swindon game, but I think that was things just coming to a head and people just yeah. being frustrated over the state that the club's in at yeah. present, really, wasn't it? As much as anything, um, yeah, it just it just felt inevitable, like you said. You know, that there was there was talk that we'd heard that he'd been given the Orient game, but there was also rumours that emerged on Monday that he'd resigned, and then then suddenly we heard that he's taking training, and we see obviously statements relating to other incidents, which we'll touch on later. Um, we thought, well, he, he stayed as manager and it looks like they're doing nothing. And then this mad, mad, you know, few hours on, on Wednesday where everything changed all of a sudden. I mean, as you said, he was never the right man for the job, was he really, in, in the circumstances? You, when you look back at it now, and I suspect if anyone goes back and listens to the pods we did when he was appointed, we were supportive, but we were all... Suspicious is probably the wrong phrase, but we were all... A bit incredulous and wary, weren't we? Really? Well, incredulous yeah. probably too far. We were very wary of like, this doesn't feel like a good appointment. It feels like a really weird appointment for the circumstances, didn't it? At the time, we, we, yeah. we were yeah. quite cautious in our thoughts on the matter. I mean, the, 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 one of the things that stands out is his, his January signings. The ones that we know were fairly certain, at least they're his, really haven't performed so far, have they? No, not at all. No. Not at all. I mean, the two obvious ones to talk about, uh, Simu and Omatoy. I mean, we, we were talking last night on WhatsApp and Simu's played in five games for the club. One draw, four defeats, conceded 12. That's not pinning the blame entirely on him. It's a team game. Yeah, but him coming but in is disrupting It's certainly the defense, no, it's no it? coincidence, is it? No, and it, it, he's, him coming in disrupted the defence as well, didn't it? Yeah, and having an Omatorian attack as well, he just didn't. Con- he wasn't contributing enough when he was starting games. He really wasn't involved enough in the game, was he? And that the fact that he's on the bench now and he's not even really getting off the bench is fairly telling so far. I mean, I'm hoping that Shasilva can uh, pick up a little bit of form, maybe hopefully, and you know show what he's potentially capable of. I don't know, but the early signs aren't great for him either, t- to be honest. And you know the ones that we, we we don't reckon. We reckon the ones that were probably before Millen was appointed were target. I mean, Patrick we obviously know about, and seniors look quite impressive. And Dennett and Devis, you know, we know what Devis can do. And Dennis looks actually looked quite good when he came on at the weekend against uh, Swindon for the few touches that he got. Um, as I mentioned before, it was quite toxic against Swindon. He'd lost the crowd basically, Andy Millen. That that was clear to see. And yeah. it's interesting how you say about you know the, the reaction. It, it, it's worth noting there was a CUSG meeting on Monday night, wasn't there? And they yeah. tweeted out afterwards to say that actually a lot of the normal things they would talk about in these meetings were almost pushed to one side for all the groups to express their concerns about the situation and the way things were going in terms of the management of the club. And I feel which, I, which is a major thing because yeah. The CUSG meetings aren't really for talking about on-field stuff as mm. much usually. No, absolutely not. So, so it's it it, it 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 that maybe is a bit of a wake-up call. Okay, if we're not able to even move this aside for this meeting, then clearly 
there's a big issue here, isn't there? So I think that might, I'm not saying that's the reason why, but I think that was probably another factor in them going, okay, this really certainly is a an big indicator, problem. wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's it's probably fair to say with some of the recent issues we've seen, he he didn't really have much of an authority over the squad as well. Millen, would you say? Obviously, we'll possibly, touch about possibly. we'll touch about what happened on a Saturday night uh, shortly. But but yeah, he, he, you didn't get the impression that the, the players really believed in him as a, as a manager, did they? Um, other points. I mean, I, I've picked up some key moments from his time in charge, Dan. I mean, was, was it eighteen games in the end? He had something like that, sixteen. I can't remember exactly how many. Um, <laughs> it's almost a blur, isn't it? It's like yeah, it's yeah. just like wow, blink and he's gone. Um, yeah, I mean, first one I thought was the three 0 loss at Northampton on his first game in charge. Probably a bit of a wake up call to him there as to what bad of a situation we were in. I think, especially the way we yeah. performed that day. The two 0 win over Bradford, I've picked out as a false dawn. That was a game where everyone got very excited. I don't know if Millen got too excited about it. But I'm guessing he probably didn't, but. I think a lot of people are like, ah, oh, we turned it around now. We're, we're going to get on this on this run of form. Looking back at it, Bradford just aren't that good a team this season. Yeah. And the two teams we beat before that as well. Interesting appointment for them today as well, well Mark Hughes. I mean, that, when I saw that, I was just like, are you serious? Are you really deadly serious? Because I thought there's been a couple other Mark Hughes have played, haven't they? And you know they're quite towards the end of the career. So I thought it might be one of them. But when I saw it was the Mark Hughes, I was like, Wow. <sighs> Incredible. Talk talk about putting your eggs in a basket, eh? <laughs> definitely, definitely. Obviously, he's not going to be able to do much this season, probably, but next season, potentially, could be quite interesting. Um, and, and the final two key moments, I mean, the free new loss at Forest Green, and we've banged on about this a bit, haven't we? I just feel the, the reaction from Millen to this was so OTT, to break yeah. up that defence that had actually started to look solid and was a good base to work on. He should have basically been saying, this is going to be my defence, barring injuries at the end of the season. Yeah. Get a solid base going there. But he brought in Simeon and it, it's all gone downhill since then. Like we said, not it's not the lad's fault, but it disrupted a defence that was a good working unit at that point. And finally, yeah. obviously, the Freena loss over Swindon was just a final nail in the coffin, wasn't it really? Yeah. So, so yeah, he goes with our best wishes, Keith. You know, I'm, I'm sure he'll, he'll get a job somewhere in coaching. He'll, he'll be back in coaching or scouting down London. He's got good stock yeah. Yeah. down there. Yeah, so uh, all the best to him. Let's talk about the uh, the Holdsworth departure, Dan. Took took yeah. long enough, didn't it? Good riddance. Yeah, three 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 and a half to four years coming up. Unbelievable, isn't it? I mean, he, he, it's incredible, isn't it? He finally spoke publicly after our public appeals over the last two weeks, last weekend, <laughs> yeah. the day after, didn't he? He finally spoke to the. I say he spoke to the media. He didn't speak to the media. He did an interview with the official website. Yeah. See, it, it looks to me like he he got his fingers burnt a bit when he spoke to them after Beach's sacking. Didn't want to speak to any media, and then finally when John, he thought John Coleman's him. John Coleman's openly tweeted in reply to fans who's, who've asked if he's yeah. asked to speak to David Holdsworth. He said request go in regularly, and yeah. they just he gets nothing back. So yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and you read back the interviews he did at the weekend. I mean, he, he never wants to take any responsibility, does he? It's embarrassing when no, you read no. for it. He just he's, he's constantly passing the books saying, Oh, I'm just the guy who sorts the contracts out, the manager finds the things. I mean I mean that's not a director of football role then basically. He should have had another title. What title there's, I don't know, but there's a rumour going round today that he never went to watch any other games. Which <laughs> is just in, that's, that's incredible. That, that is not a, a director of football. 
director of football it, it, is someone who does that bits for the manager. He helps. He goes and watches players. You know, yeah. when you get to the final stages and stuff yeah. like that. I mean, I'd like say it's just a rumor. There's all sorts flown about this week. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah. You know, I'd, it wouldn't be the biggest surprise if there was an element of truth in it. No, and obviously he was uh, he was roundly mocked for his uh, I'm more worried about the salt and pepper on my chips than relegation. I've never been relegated before comments, which obviously, as we've pointed out a couple of times, he was relegated twice at uh, Watford. I mean, the, that, 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 I, that, I, I was looking at I was looking at this uh, the second time he actually left Watford in the October. Uh, so, uh, but we'll still count it because we like still, that. I'm still counting it because I'm a bit yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, just it just shows the arrogance of the man, doesn't it? Really. So, yeah, having him out the building can only be a good thing. I mean, th- th- some of the reports are suggesting actually that Simo himself had said, "I'll only come back if I am the manager and he's not there as director of football. I'm the one in charge." And if he's done that, then he's a legend already. <laughs> Everyone else is booked, <laughs> yeah. really. Forget him. We'll, we'll, we'll never, ever find out if that's no, correct. We'll, we'll, we'll never find out the details, will we? Um, I mean, it all started with Holsworth, didn't it? When you go back to his... Remember when he was appointed, Dan? Because, I mean, we, we knew well, about him well, being involved. Well, he was officially appointed in August 18. But we knew he was there from about June. Yeah, he'd been involved in the management search. I don't think he was necessarily the one who finally... You know, finalise it, but he was definitely involved in the search at the very least. Um, I think Nigel Clibbins actually had a bit more involvement in that one than than he probably gets credit for. Obviously, that was John Sheridan we're talking about here. Um, but yeah, if, if you go back, we, I dug out the the article on the official website when he signed. And if you want to sum up the arrogance of the man, he has blatantly pretty much written the article that goes on the official website when he was appointed. You know, he he's basically dictated this is what's going to go in there, hasn't he? Because it, yeah, it's, it's not yeah. factually accurate. And I'm, I I know we, we know Andy and Amy really well. There's no way they would have approved that article unless they were, you know, they were told this is going on the website. Basically, <laughs> it's a, a bit a bit similar to his uh, his birthday wishes for Andrew uh, Jenkins that time. On, yeah, more on that one as well later. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously back then he said the fact that he'll he's basically. Um, He'll provide a key link, but it's just when you read it back now, actually. Uh, well respected for his contacts among scouts, agents, players and executives. David's appointment signals the club's joint commitment to recruiting talent identified by the first team manager and developing future players. David provided a key link between the 1921 board and the manager ensuring John Sheridan, as it was then, is able to execute his team strategy, recruit players within budgets. He's all responsible for establishing a pipeline of talent between the senior team and the club's academy. That's an interesting bit because that never got really mentioned by him after that, did it? Um, obviously, he mentioned the fact that he'd been working as a consultant on football managers, uh, man, football matters, sorry. Um, and when you go back and you read what it talks about his time as a manager... It, it's such bullshit, actually, when you read it. Yeah. I, I'd actually, yeah, it's, you know, previously worked with Lincoln and Mansell, where he showed his ability to crack, attract key players to the club in regional areas and work within budgets. Um, with that, if you go back and ask, I think it's Lincoln fans at the very least, and possibly Mansell fans as well, he signed a phenomenal number of players at both of those clubs, and it didn't work out at either of them. And then the next line is, it's astonishing actually when you read this one now, he was also central to the creation and success of Gretna FC. Was he around in 1948, was he? Setting up Gretna? <laughs> well, absolute nonsense. He said he was approached by Brooks Melson to build the club up from the ground up, create its distinctive style of play and establish a winning formula. He was signed as a player for a short while 
And then I think he had a job in the academy, I think possibly head of the, the youth set up there, which only lasted on reserve team. It only lasted a few months, basically. It says here he's credited with building the team that led Gretna FC to winning promotion from the Scottish third division to the SPL in less than five years and reaching the Scottish Cup final. I mean, God almighty, when you read that back, it, it's such brazen. Oh, it just that really winds yeah. me up, the fact that he, he was hard to get away with it, but there you go. Um, but yeah, um, I think we can both agree he wasn't really a proper director of football, was he, Dan? Cause, no, cause we, no. I mean, you've said it plenty of times, and you can say it again if you want. You think it's a role that, that can work, can't it? It's, it's a role that's part of the modern game for me. I know I've yeah. seen one or two people say, no, we don't need one of them. Well, I, personally, I think we do. We just we had the worst one ever, yeah. you know. You and some... it, it, wouldn't, it, it wouldn't be the biggest surprise to me if come the summer, Paul Simpson did sort of something in between the director of football and Dennis Booth to him. But more, more on that later. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, all the work he did in terms of signing players, you know, player sales, etc. I mean, is that anything that a manager and chief executive couldn't have done? Would you not have backed Clubbo to do that and, you know, Beach or whoever was in charge? Yeah, but uh, like I said, I could do a full episode on what a director of football should do. But uh, maybe we'll do that in the summer, maybe something. Yeah, what a good director of football uh, does is absolutely nothing that David Holdsworth did, in my opinion. So he was basically a, a glorified go between, wasn't he? Really, yeah, in terms yeah. of contracts. So. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to note that one little, little final thing before we move on to the, the good news. Um, we all know why he was put in place there, don't we? He was basically put in place to keep an eye on contracts and money and things like that. For Edward yeah. Emil. That's why he was there. You know, n- n- we're not stupid as fans. We, we know that. Even though, you know, the club might say, oh, you know, he's, yes, Edward Woodville were paying his wages at first, but the club then started paying them or whatever. Well, it begs the question if he's gone now and he's been allowed to go, does that mean something else is more afoot in the background potentially in terms of takeovers and debt restructures and stuff like that? I'm sure we'll find out in the coming weeks. It does suggest that, doesn't it? Yeah. Because obviously the club have been trying to get in contact with Philip Day to restructure that debt, haven't they? Or at least sort of repayment plan. Oh, my, my, my feeling is there's maybe a bit of luck. We need to stay in the Football League. We've got this man ready to manage the club, but he's only coming if he goes. If you ever want any chance of ever seeing your money again, <laughs> yeah, playing hard. Ball that's how it's going to be, you know. Yeah. Maybe maybe we grew a set of balls and told them the, how it was. Yeah, because you know? there's there's been a few rumours around this week as well that Philip Day's actually been in town to to discuss the debt, or at least his representatives. Whether yeah, that's yeah. true or not, we don't know. So we'll have to wait and see. So uh, goodbye and good riddance to Mister Salt and Pepper on his chips. Um, it's gone the good news then, Dan. So following yeah. on from those two key departures, just 94 minutes later, we, we were really blessed with some good news this day, weren't we? Um, the club announced that Paul Simpson will be making a sensational return to Brunton Park as, in the hot seat as manager, 16 years after completing back-to-back promotions with the Blues to League One. I mean, wow. <laughs> you know, yeah. we, we, we sort of hinted and suggested it was probably the right move or the, the you know the sensible move by the club in recent weeks. I didn't think they would actually do it. <laughs> it's a full plate. When 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 you look at other clubs who have been, you know, managers at the moment, you know, 
Bradford, Morecambe now, you know, and you look at the list of managers available, there's very, very few have any link to us anywhere, mm-hmm. in any way. And it's got that bad after last week that it had to be someone who knew the club. Yeah. And it would be too much of a gamble for a Danny Granger or a Michael yeah. Bridges. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, they know the club. And they, one, one or either or both could could feature down the line but mm. for now it needs someone who's you know you know it's, it's 16 16 years since he left got a hell of a lot more coaching experience now yeah definitely absolutely so, yeah no uh yeah, it's yeah. Interesting. you know, a lot of people say you should never go back you should never look back to managers who've been there before and stuff like that but actually if you look at the two times that united have done it bob stoko helen ashman Worked out pretty well with those two, didn't it? Yeah. I think it's fair to say. Both of them had success on their returns. I mean, yeah, Stoker had a third attempt, didn't he? Obviously, <laughs> he didn't work out quite <laughs> as well in the third time. Yeah. But, you know, it, 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 it just goes to show it can happen. We're, we're slightly glossing over the fact that technically Roddy Collins had two spells as manager. But, I mean, that Roddy was Collins a... had about 14 spells, really, didn't he? Because <laughs> he used to quit every other week. <laughs> I know, it's true. He was absolutely lunatic, wasn't he? Um, but, yeah, I mean... Since since he's left us, he, as you say, he's got plenty of experience. He obviously he left to go to Preston North End. I know you're going to be booing in the background there, Dan. Um, Shrewsbury Town, he had a spell there. Got them to the, uh, I think he got Preston to the champion, top of the championship briefly, didn't he, I think, at the start of the season. Yeah. Then it all went a bit wrong. Uh, Shrewsbury Town, he, he got them to the playoff final with Grant Holt in the team. Didn't quite work out. Um, Stockport County, I think they were just a bit of a mess as a club, weren't they, when he went there? I think yeah, yeah. he said, hasn't he, it's the one time he's really regretted taking a job because he was essentially lied to about what was the the setup was going to be there. Um, he had a short spell at Northwich Victoria, which I think it was just basically just helping out there, really, wasn't he, I think, from what yeah. I gather. Uh, but also, he's uh, he's had coaching spells with, uh, I think he was in Portugal for a little while, helping out with, sort of, with a club there. Um, yeah. Newcastle United, Derby County, obviously both of those with Steve McLaren as the assistant manager to him. Uh, Bristol City, where he assisted Dean Holden and then Nigel Pearson briefly also had a short caretaker stint there. And uh, he was the, uh, the coach that led England under-20s, including Dean Henderson, to the... You forgot You forgot Newcastle as well, eh? I said Newcastle, Newcastle I, I said he, oh, I did you? say I did, yeah, I said he, Sorry. both with Steve McLaren. And yeah, um, yeah. and obviously led the England under-20s to the World Cup in South Korea in 2017, didn't he? With Hendo and I think Dominic Calvert-Loom was playing for them as well. A few other players that have gone on to have good careers. So, so yeah, got a contract to the end of the season. Um just initial thoughts, Dan. I mean, we just said that before, didn't we? It's just the obvious choice in the circumstances, isn't he, really? I mean, it's incredible to see the positivity around the fan base over the last, you know, day or two, isn't it? It's just a complete... Turn- and I've never seen a turnaround like it, really. You know, the issues are still obviously there off the pitch, but, but wow, to have a manager like that, incredible, isn't it? I'm just looking at that uh, England under-21 team that played the final and mm. you, you find with these underage groups, a lot of them often drift off, but mm. most of these are still playing at a fairly decent level. Yeah. Freddie Woodman, John Joe Kenny, uh, Tamori, Clark Salter, Walt Peters, Lewis Cook, Onomar, Dowell, Solanke, Luckman and Calvert Lewin. Pretty much all of them or, are top player, aren't they? Or, or, or John Maitland-Niles off the bench. So, mm. yeah. Wow, incredible, isn't it? But yes, I mean, the, the turnaround in terms of 
the fan base though, Dan, in terms of the way they're feeling. Never seen anything like it, have you? Uh, no, but it's fully expected because we do have one of the <laughs> barmiest fan bases yeah. going. And I mean, I mean that in a good way, obviously. Yeah. Uh, no, it's uh, incredible, you know, literally like someone's flicked a switch, isn't it? And, you know, I mean, we've sold over 500 for Orient on Saturday mm. already. Uh, we've got Rochdale on Tuesday night. There's, you know, there'll be a few more at that. Oldham away, I think everyone's going to go to Oldham now, aren't they? Yeah. Well, Anyone who can get to Oldham will go now. I've said on Twitter, I mean, we should be looking at 1,200, 1,500 easily. Oh, yeah, yeah. If not pushing towards 2,000, Yeah, you know? I mean, that away end holds 3,000, so there's no concerns. Yeah, yeah. You can go on the day, you can pay on the day. I know at least two people who haven't been to games for ages who've both said to me, oh, quite fancy going to that one, actually. I might, go, yeah, might yeah. pop along. So it does show that... It and then we've we've got the we've got Northampton and Newport two games in four days. Mm. I'd like to see the club do some sort of ticket yeah. deal around one or both of these games, definitely. Because that Northampton game, I, I put it on Twitter last night. Just bloody slash the prices, no gimmicks. Yes. Make it a tenner, a fiver for concessions, and pack the old place out. Yes, you know definitely. any season ticket holder who complained about the discount, shut up. I'm a season ticket holder; it wouldn't bother me. You know, give, 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 give them a three miles by at half time or something. Or a, a fiver for Scranor for the club shop or something like that. Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd, 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 I wouldn't want it anyway, but I'd, I'd happily take it. I wouldn't complain if I got that. So, especially if it was Scran. Um, but, but yeah, it, it's it's just wow. It's I just you know, I, I I genuinely didn't. I thought it would be a good one and people would be happy by it, but the reaction is probably even gone beyond the expectations I had, I think it's fair to say. I mean, yeah. we've got to... We've... Rochdale, Rochdale's going to be bouncing, isn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. If, 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 we, if we get at least a draw on Saturday at Orient, Rochdale will be bouncing. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I fear for Rochdale coming yeah. in, actually. <laughs> I mean, that's one of Simo's former clubs as well, so I'm sure he will yeah, get yeah. on, on over on them. I mean, it, 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 yeah, it, it's... It's incredible. The only thing that's comparable, really, is what's happened at Oldham with with John Sheridan going in there and then the yeah, resurrection. Yeah, 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 similar, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, we've got to put a word of caution in there. There's no guarantee that this will keep us up. No guarantee yeah, at all. There's, there's going to be no new players coming in. Realistically, no. you know, the no. window's gone. Free there's, agents. There's not many about, and, and anyone who is, be weeks off. Yeah, they're not going to be fit, are they? So no, no. It's different, isn't it, to back in the day. Yeah. Uh, he's got to work with what he's got. I, I still think there's a bit of quality in there. I think, it, you know, if you can get them well organised and get a bit of battle and belief, because that's the one issue with these games recently. I don't think it's the players are not trying. It just looks like their heads drop so easily. It wouldn't what? surprise me if he's gathered the senior players of the squad already. So, yeah, mm. whether in person or via WhatsApp call or whatever, and you're looking at Mark Howard, Callum Guy, Jamie, De- Jamie Dever, Alexandra, yes. maybe even Dennis. You know, they're, yeah. they're the experienced heads in this squad. We are, we are quite a young yeah. squad. And, he, he, you know, he's maybe just said, look, lads, I am going to lean on you. So you're the experienced. Callum Guy isn't, you know, he's, he is young, but yeah. he's played a lot more football than a lot of the team. Yeah. But it, it wouldn't surprise me if he sort of says to that group, you know, I'm going to have to lean on you a bit here. Yeah. I yeah. need you to back me. You know, let's get these young lads through it and let's go and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, just before we move on, Dan, I'll just say that um, he, he, he's done his interviews today, hasn't he? And I've just caught a little bit of it before. He, he's saying all the right things, isn't he? I mean, 
one quote particularly stands out to me, and I think this is a really good one. This shows that he really gets it and why he's a good appointment. Yeah. He said, talk about Bruno Park. This place is a good place when it's rocking and we need to get it rocking. Whether it's with four or five and a half thousand, if we can get those figures going even higher, then it's going to be a better place than the place that's all doom and gloom. Absolutely spot yeah. on, isn't it? That's it. Yeah. And the way the fans are reacting, I think he's going to get that. I think it's that's fair to say, isn't yeah. it? So it's one of those. And ones I, I, even... I think. I think also. I mean, yes, we have got off the field issues. They're not going to go away. They're still there. But put it behind. And us. I'm, I'm not saying take take our eye off the ball regarding them. But at the moment, it's all about staying in the league. Yeah. Get behind the team. You know what? You know if, if we can go on a run and pull away for a couple of games to go. Then you can go back to complaining about the board and that, you know. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's, so it's, all, it's all hands to the pump, isn't it? Absolutely. And even if we like go behind in a game, something like that, just keep behind them. That's the key thing. We've got to really encourage them now because, we, you know, we've, we've shown that we, we struggle to come back in games. So let, let's let's try and get them a bit of encouragement. So, you know, great to see him back. Interesting to see if he brings any coaches in as well, possibly. There's been whispers, hasn't there, potentially even bringing a coach in to, to assist too. So... Yeah. I mean, they've saved a bit of money from a director of football now, so they should be able to afford another coach. But uh... Guaranteed we'll announce a coach about an hour after we finish this recording, oh, as per usual. 100% anyway. Yeah. Uh, a couple more little bit of news bits, and then we'll very briefly run through yeah. the uh, the Swindon game. Sorry, I know there's some Swindon fans probably listening right now, and probably skipping yeah. through but trying we, to get we're, to we're it. Not, we're not really going to mention it much. We've no. got a couple <laughs> of things to say. No. Uh, that, that, sorry to right. disappoint you. Yeah, sorry to disappoint you. We'll, we'll give you yeah. a little bit on McCurdy, don't worry. Just, yeah. just wait, yeah. just wait. Um, obviously, briefly touching it, it always seems like a lifetime away now, Dan. But obviously, a bit lost in the news the last couple of days was an incident that occurred uh, at the weekend outside um, Botchergate on a walkabout. Sorry, on Botchergate in Carlisle. Yeah, uh, rumor got out. Footage soon emerged. Amari Patrick and Brennan Dickinson and one or two others connected to the club uh, involved in a, a fracas. Those rumours have been arrested. It's been confirmed they haven't. They were just spoken to. Something's happened in Walkabout. You've got the tale from the players. There's tales from staff there going about. And I'd say the, the real tale's probably somewhere in the middle with a mixture of both of them. Yeah. Uh, the club dealt with it quite quickly, you know, put a statement out. The players apologised. And after the what's happened yesterday, it's... It's been dealt with, hasn't it? It's last week's, it's, you know, it's last week's chip. Yeah. This week's it's, it's, chip papers, isn't it? Yeah, it's basically. a chip paper already scenario, isn't it? Yeah, but basically. it's happened, and you know, hopefully, hopefully, Patrick, Patrick, and Dickinson, maybe not not quite ready to come back yet, but maybe Patrick will uh, find himself up for the weekend as his uh, apology. So. Exactly, that's what we want to see. All behind us now. Let's just forget it. Let's move yeah, on from yeah. that. Anyway, there you go. Uh, before we go on to do a little match review for the Swinning game then, Dan, uh, just a quick update on the loans. Um, not much this weekend, was there really? I think it's fair no, to say. No, uh, Josh, Josh Dixon, uh, Workton's game was off against Ramsbottom due to bad weather. No surprise. No. And we think this Saturday's possibly his last game of this spell. Yeah. I have a feeling it's actually tomorrow, you know. Is it? Oh, maybe, the game, maybe I'm sure it was the 25th. That makes sense, but, yeah. I'd, I'd be very surprised if it doesn't get extended. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, yeah. their season finishes a bit early anyway. I think it's end, it's yeah, yeah. end of April, or middle yeah. April. So he's, he's not going to yeah. stroll into our team at the moment. No. So no, exactly, he's better off getting a bit of football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And next uh, up, Taylor Charters. Uh, yeah. He's extended to the end of the season. 
It's confirmed after we recorded. That was handy of them. Yeah. Thanks for that. <laughs> uh, but there is a recall clause in case, yeah. which is basic common sense. Uh, he came on for the final 10 minutes in last weekend's win over Spennymore. Mm. And then he started and impressed. In a, they had a 3-1 win over Farsley midweek. Mm. And uh, he got an assist, actually. And uh, We'll cover that in the next Farsley, won't we? Yeah, yeah, we'll cover that in the X-Files because some uh, usual suspects feature heavily as usual. Mm. But no, he's he's playing, he's involved, he's enjoying it. Gateshead fans want to sign him, but... Not happening. (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. Um, AFC Telford for them this weekend, so that's another big game for them, isn't it? Yeah. And then the the other two, the ones who are playing at National League level, not going as well for them, is it? No, um... Grimsby's game at Southend was called off due to Storm Eunice, no surprise. But there was there was an article about Abrams from the the Grimsby manager just saying mm. maybe need to just do a little bit more to uh, mm. Manny Desaworth, is that how yeah. you say it? Ex Salford has landed there now. So there's a bit more competition. I think he was just Ging them up more to, than to anything. Fair, I think he, he did say to him, didn't he say that the problem for Tristan is that they, they the first two games which he started, they played a particular way, but they've then changed their style of play or yeah, the, the tactic yeah. something for the third game, hence why he was dropped to the bench and why he's not played as much since. So tough for him, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Uh, and finally, Money Man Parlour. Yeah, he was on the bench for Weymouth midweek. Uh, two all draw against Bromley, but didn't yeah. come off it. So. Yeah, I think their game last weekend was called off as well. So yeah, yeah. Feature them, so not going particularly well for Manny so far. Uh, no. well, let's, let's quickly do a few couple of minutes on the Swindon game then, Dan. I mean, oh, it, was, it, it, was, it was pretty desperate, wasn't it? Really, it was a, a, a pretty awful game. He made the change to four three three. Didn't really work that well, did it? Um, well, although I mean, on Radio Cumbria, they seem to think it was more a four four two. Mellish pushed a bit further forward, but I think it was a four three three. It was four two three one at times as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was. Yeah. Yeah. Mellish didn't have a great game. There was there was some sort of suggestion that he might have been still carrying his knock from the other week, and he was that's why he was struggling a little bit because he, he, you know, even when he plays badly, he doesn't play as badly as he did in this game. He, he didn't have a yeah. great game at all, John. And you know, I do wonder if he was maybe struggling a little bit. I mean, talk about the goals quickly, Dan. I mean, as inevitable as the sun setting in the in the west, Harry McCurdy, of course, got the opening goal. He was almost gone, wasn't he? Oh, I mean, the thing is, he wasn't actually playing that well up until the goal. He was he was yeah. getting a bit of stick, and he wasn't. You know, he was getting we were getting a couple of tackles in you know, him. But then, I mean, we didn't put any pressure on the ball in our own half. It was a, a long ball over the top, and. Um, Came to the, he, the lad on the right of, hunt. He, he, he cut right and left Simu for dead, and he, he absolutely belted it, didn't he? You know, oh, he was, was, he was a great finish. He was kind of He was a teasing pass by the lad on the right hunt, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. McCurdy, Simu committed himself to it, and it was just a bit naive defending. And yeah. McCurdy was just like full pelt running. He's like, I'm going to take a touch, take you out of the game. And like you said, what a finish. And yeah. He did his celebration in front of us, and you know everyone's angry about. It. Well, you, you know what? Can't complain because you know we our players did it against Bradford the other week, so yeah, yeah, that it happens. You know that's the way it is. Um, second goal, uh, they, they were still dominating the game. Simeu again played his part. Initially, nicked the ball, did actually quite well to win the, yeah, the tackle, yeah. and then he tried to take another touch, and you're just like, that's where, that's where he's learning on the game, and we don't really need him learning on the game. Yeah, just boot yeah. it out for a, a throw-in. He's probably lucky that the ref played a good advantage there because if he hadn't, he probably would have got a second booking and been sent off, having been booked in the first half. So, 
lad gets away, McCurdy gets it, and he's got an easy through ball. The defence just parts, and Whelan was standing our, t- our team were, were insistent he was offside, but Whelan was at the back no. stick, and yeah, he was about four yards away from the rest of the line. So Poor from Whelan. Oh. And... Um, and yeah, decent finish from Davidson past uh, Howard. And then the third goal, I mean, uh, we mentioned him in the, the build-up, Louis Barry, uh, the on-loan Aston Villa forward. He made sure there was no route back for United. McCurdy got away down the the right and played like the ball across. I description coming up for the ex-Barcelona man. He's an ex-Barcelona player. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, technically. That, yeah. technically makes, it, makes it sound yeah. better, doesn't it, really? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, he had a tap-in from five yards. He could not miss, really, and... Again, McCurdy got his chance to celebrate in front of the United fans, and he, he certainly I'll, milked I'll it. say, at this point, I walked out and joined the queue for banner tickets. Yeah, he was. He was and I wasn't the only one. I wasn't well, the I, only one. I know some. I saw some people who one guy who listened, a friend of ours, listened to the pod. Uh, Lee Beater, he nipped out to grab his tickets as well for Barrow. I think he was quite near the front of the queue. Yeah, he was right and behind me. Actually, he, yeah. he, he, he was back in the ground for the final whistle. <laughs> That's yeah. how bad it was. They must have yeah, put them on yeah. sale just before because the queue was that yeah, big anyway. Yeah, five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, well, before we go into the halftime breakdown, let's give him his moment then. We've never said McCurdy's a bad player on this pot, have we? We've not always, said he, we've always said he should play at the championship boy, level. The boy's got talent. He's got talent. Uh, he's also he's a bit of a dick. He's a dick, basically. <laughs> yeah. But he can he can back that up at the moment with his performances. Uh, he's backing it up this season, so you exactly. can't knock him, you know. Uh, you, know uh, you know, we saw both sides of that, and he no doubt enjoyed it on Saturday. Um, you can see why oh, the Swindon yeah, you, you can see why the Swindon fans love him, but a, a little yeah. word of caution for them will leave them with. He was fairly if popular it, if at the start. Does, if, it does, if it does go bad, it will. Oh, yeah, because he was fairly popular at the start when he was at United because he was exciting. He was a player who attack players. You know, remember that cup win over Dulwich Hamlet? He, he, he yeah, tore the Cardiff games. Yeah, but when it goes badly with him, it, it, it goes really badly and, it, and he's a difficult yeah. one to control, isn't he? I mean, hopefully he's learned his lesson, but I'm going to be based on what we saw the weekend, he definitely has not learned his lessons. So it was quite funny watching his Instagram this week. Uh, James Phillips mentioned on the radio that he was living rent-free in our heads. Hmm. You're not, Harry, son. You're not. You're not. There's, uh, a, hun- there's a hundred others before you. And, and, the, and the thing is, as well, he, he's actually, we're almost living rent-free in his head because all week he's been posting about that instead of just enjoying yeah. how well Swindon are doing. So there you go. Yeah. Well, that that's the first half done then, Dan. I mean, you know, a little depressing bit to finish on talking about that game, but we're all positive now, aren't we? So uh, uh, it's time for the halftime break, and we'll be back shortly with the second half of the show. On behalf of the club, on behalf of everybody associated with Carlisle United, the, the, the board, the directors, the fans, the manager, obviously Chris, um, the players, and everybody associated with your club, and we want to make sure you're having a wonderful birthday. Hope you've had a wonderful day with your family. Um, with Diane and obviously your grandchildren as well and your 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 family. So um, happy birthday, Andrew, um, and I hope you've had a wonderful time. So thank you. You're an amazing custodian of Carlo United Football Club, and I hope you've had a wonderful time. Um, and I'll raise a glass of red wine to you, which we'll hopefully uh, be able to do soon. Thanks, Andrew. Take care. Good night. <laughs> That's that's the last time you're ever going to hear David Hallsworth. I think the there was more than one glass of red wine consumed oh, that night, Mister Hallsworth. God, but, uh, it looked looked like he was in like one of those um, those uh, windows you see in Amsterdam. I think it's fair. To say, yeah, the, 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 the neon lights behind him. It. Um, we've, we've made a, a promise to ourselves in our chats this week that uh, we will not be mentioning his name again unless it is 
EWM stroke pure pay related business. Absolutely, yes. No, no more mention of it. No excuses. Let's move on. Just a reminder: you can subscribe to the podcast using all good podcast apps, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Acast, Spotify, anywhere like that. Just search for the Brunton Bugle, click subscribe, and then every time a new episode comes out, it will come straight into your inbox on your podcast app. So perfect. You don't have to go seeking it out. Easy way to do it. And as well as that, if you can give us a review on any of those sites, that would be brilliant as well. Apple Podcasts and Spotify are the two main ones, but if you give us a review, five stars would be lovely, but obviously you say what you think. You know, we'll, we always take feedback on board for the show. Also remember, you can follow us on social media. We are at Brunt and Bugle on Twitter. If you search for Brunt and Bugle and click like on Facebook, we've got a page there as well. We're also on the Cumbrians.net message board and the Be Just and Fear Not Facebook group. Always uh, free to have a chat with everyone on there. This season, the second half of the show has been sponsored by the Cali United Sports Club London Branch. The London Branch is open to all Cali United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore and, of course, every part of London and the South East. They regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events, sports games and fundraising for the club. They'll be providing us with information for away games as part of the previous section this season too. You can find more about the London Branch on their website, carlalondonbranch.org. Uh, and we've got the pub for this weekend's game, uh, as usual. It's the Birkbeck Tavern on uh, Langthorne Road in uh, Leightonstone, I guess, Leighton. Uh, E114HL for the uh, postcode for that. If you just search for it on Google Maps, you'll find it on there. It's a great little pub. Get yourself down there. Uh, as well, get down early because Nigel Clemmins, the kind of chief executive, is going to be there. And he'll be available to chat to fans. about Ask, ask him any question you want. He, he's a really good guy, Nigel, if you've not spoken to him before. He'll happily chat about football for ages with you. So just get down there and have a chat with him. And finally, a little shout out here. Uh, good luck to the London branch football team. They're playing their first game in over two years against Orient fans on Saturday morning. Best of luck to the lads playing in that game. Okay, so it's now time for the Behind Enemy Lines section of the podcast where we speak to a, an opposition fan basically looking ahead to this weekend's game. And uh, of course, because we're playing later on this weekend, we're speaking to our good old friends at the Lowdown Podcast that we spoke to about four or five times last season because of all the games that get, kept getting called off against the O's. Um, uh, Julian from the Lowdown Podcast was uh, kind enough to stop on a drive up to Doncaster on the, up the motorway, sit in a cafe and talk to us for about 10 or 15 minutes. Really, really kind. I had a great chat with him. We're also on his podcast this week, so give that a listen. Um, what do we discuss for all kinds? What's gone wrong at Brisbane Road at the moment? Obviously, Kenny Jackett leaving his job this week. The, the, the appointment that was supposed to be the big one for them and move them forward just hasn't worked out. So we, we took the time to speak to Julian about that and about any other issues happening at Lane on right now. So you want to give that listen? Here's the chat I had with Julian. Julian, at the start of the season on our pod, we were talking about what a good appointment Kenny Jack actually was as a manager for you. We thought, wow, that, that's a real statement of intent by Lane on. I think at least a couple of us on the pod actually predicted you to finish in the playoffs. I think I was one of them actually. Um, yeah, this week on the back of 10 games without a win and I think just two draws in that time. Jacket's gone. He's been given the sack. What's gone wrong over these last eight months of Jacket's reign? It's really difficult to pinpoint anything particular. So you go back to the appointment of Jacket, a man who had a really high win ratio, um, who had a number of games across multiple multiple divisions, had successes, promotions, and been at clubs long ten years at clubs. So. He was the ideal candidate with what we were looking for. We were, we were a, a bit disillusioned, if he was honest, with the end of um, Ross Embleton's campaign, although Ross still remains a, a good friend of the lowdown. 
Um, and then Joby took over, and, and we all felt that wasn't quite right. Someone who's not even coached was taking the reins. So a Kenny Jacket appointment was a fantastic opportunity for us to, to push on. But what happened is a hard one because we, we revert back to a number of years ago before his passing, Justin Edinburgh. Justin came in, and when the first thing he did was reignite and connect the fans, the playing staff, and, and the backroom staff really, the club all together. We was all in it together. And a lot of his um, post-match and stuff, um, especially when we was in the National League, when we was getting close to that final day for promotion, it was going a bit wobbly. He was, he was igniting the, 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 the whole of the club. And one thing Kenny did quite early on is disconnect himself from the, the, the fans as such. Although he made an effort to mention them in any interview, thanking them for the coming and supporting the team, we felt disconnected, but we were winning games. So guess what us as usual football fans, we um, decide that we're going to take the winning games over a manager who, who, who claps the fans. And that was one of the first things you got a lot of Orange fans saying, Kenny never comes and claps the away fans. He goes down the tunnel, um, Gallon comes out and does the clapping, but actually the manager is off and in the changing rooms before, before the, the players are off the pitch. So that was one thing. And then we went through this whole run of real good performances and even when we was drawing we was looking good we were looking dangerous tight at the back everyone looked on song the player was well, the players seemed to be loving it and then it started to sort of fall apart with injuries and again that's not in Kenny's control and then you had injuries the first bit as I said then we started having sort of a, a run of sort of the form wasn't as good but still we were okay and then we had the COVID capers around Christmas time where we were nearly a month off, um, starting with teams being affected with COVID. We were OK, couldn't play games. And ever since then, we came back to the FA Cup game against Stoke where we looked rather rusty. But on, on our form before Christmas, we could have beaten Stoke. We, we played well, you know, we had chances, but we just couldn't put stuff away. And that, and that theme was the theme of the day there on in. We couldn't score for tough. And what happened, our solidity at the back actually started to um, to change. And then we were leaking goals. So again, if you leak one goal, you've got to score two to win yeah. a game. And if you can't score two, you can't score one, you're going to lose games. And that came the, the run of the theme. And, it, and the bit I find disappointed in someone of, of, of Kenny's experience was he just didn't know how to change it. We had no plan B. And this was something that we um, muted many times under Ross Embleton. Ross only had one plan. It was a, a, a strict formation, 4-3-3. Play 4-3-3, week in, week out, rain or shine. And Kenny was very similar. Three at the back, five-man midfield. And we, we, we didn't change from that. And again, the personnel weren't fit in the system because we had injuries. We had our transfer window. Um, and there's always opinions on that. We brought in some nice young talent, but nothing ready for now. And Kenny in interviews was saying we needed um, experience, and every single one of our signings was non-experienced. So that, in its own right, is is someone somewhere is not telling the truth who's hiring those players. And it just got very bad after after that, and after the transfer window ended. And I just think the fans got on the back of the team. Fans got on the back of, of, of the owners. Um, the owners came on our podcast and, and another uh, podcast on the Orient banner and said completely the, the opposite. And the opposite, even on Sunday evening, um, was said, no, behind Kenny. Tuesday came, same old, same old, 2-0 down. 
Ken, Kenny sort of did his post-match and before even I think he could take his coat off, he was relieved of his duties. And where you guys have done a good job relieving your duties of your manager and having someone in place, we've put in one of our coaches and Brian Saha is our academy coach. Who's both both Matty Harold and Brian are both both Orient, ex-Orient players, so they've got some connection there. But we've done that before. We've done that with Jovi. Didn't quite work. We've done that with Ross as a, a connection of an assistant manager stepping up. My opinion, we're, we're, there, there is something fundamentally wrong behind the scenes. And like you, where Dean Holdsworth was, was relieved of his duties as well, there are so many Orient fans wanting uh, Martin Ling to be relieved of his duties because they feel he's the catalyst for the issues we've got now. There's... There's a lot of mistrust, and on what I mean by that, in in what he says and what he does, because Kenny Jacket, as I said right early on, is is an extremely great manager, and to be and to after eight months to lose his job and not being left to give the opportunity to get ourselves out of trouble, stay up this year. Yes, early in the season we were odds on for promotion, keep us up and then build this team for next year and really go at it, and we've seen him do it elsewhere, so we're not going to see that, sadly. So, so Kenny goes with a bit of um, um, sadness, but also a lot of fans wanted the change. Um, but the problem is, is like every time we lose a manager, there's no one in the wings ready to come in, and we're mm-hmm. getting banded around about with the same old faces, Derek Adams, Steve Evans, and... and Orient fans don't want that. Kenny Jacket was ideal for us, and I really don't know where we go from here. Uh, and unfortunately, we're playing you Saturday, who, in a, who were in a similar position. And I actually think if you look at this, you've got a bit of an edge on us for Saturday. Well, blame that's a comprehensive answer there, Julian. I think it's fair to say. I mean, that bit about the uh, the, the COVID break brings back horrible memories for us of uh, last season and how that basically curtailed our promotion hopes last year um yeah it, it, like you said it sounds like some similarities between the two clubs there i think you're in probably in a better position to to get yourself where you probably got a little bit more of a cushion maybe to actually to find a new manager instead of having to have someone lined up as soon as the gaffer's gone who do you want who do the fans want or who do you want to to replace jacket i think you sort of hinted there you didn't really want a, a Derek adams or particularly a steve evans i think evans is someone who very much divides a lot of football fans, isn't he? But who would you like to see in the hot seat at Brisbane Road? Do you know what? I'm, I, I'm not going to sort of jump in and give you my thoughts. I'll just give you a thoughts of what we've seen of across the sort of the, 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 the social media platform with Orient fans. We, we was crying out for an experienced manager. We got an experienced manager. Didn't work out. Do we want someone who's quite young and, and quite um, dynamic? Again, we've seen that at Walsall and we've seen that even our own club with Ross Emberton. Mm. It's difficult because I think we, we've tried everything. Which Kenny came, unfortunately, with one downside, in my opinion, was that he played his football, didn't he? He had one style of football. It, it was Ken, Kenny ball and it was quite direct. You see our signing of our, our, the largest striker in the league <laughs> with Smith coming into us. So you know what it's going to look like. Um, and, and that was the problem. So to have someone who wants to play football, who wants to play it the Orient way, who has an ambition to develop young players, young talent, because that's what we brought in over the window is young talent. So um, it's a difficult one. I'm not going to put, put a, a name on it, but what we don't want is that good old Derek Adams or, a, or, or an Evans-type character because not, neither of them would be really welcome at the Orient. 
That's interesting. That I mean, as you mentioned about the um, the whole sort of young coaches and, and manager thing. I mean, it's a good point though. What sort of see they went for Matt Taylor and it, it didn't work out there. But then you look at Forest Green and they they gave it to Rob Edwards and, and it worked wonders. But I, I suppose it's it's where your starting point is from, isn't it? With with Forest Green, they're, they're a team that's been challenging for the players for a few seasons now, and bringing someone like Edwards in just to do a little bit of tweaks around the edges made sense for them. So in terms of the O's squad, you, you, you mentioned uh, Big Smith there, your, your strike. I mean, actually, I have to say, I was quite impressed with him when we, when we played you towards the start of the season. He made a big difference um, in that game, I thought. And we all looked and said, Darren Prattley, what a signing that is. We, we would have loved to see him at Brunton Park for, for many years. I uh, don't know how, how well he's worked out there. But who are the uh, the star men we need to watch out for this weekend, do you think? Yeah, it's, I think Smith and, and Drynan are both can't hit a barn door from two <laughs> yards. So we've got no striking power. Raul Satorio's first start on, on Tuesday night. Again, can't finish. We've got Paul Smith out for the rest of the season with broken ribs, sorry, and the, uh, broken ribs and, and, and a um, lung, punctured lung. So, um, yeah, we, we, we're struggling up top to get goals. Um, Darren, Darren, no legs, Prattley. Um <laughs> He's, he's exactly what he says in the tin. He, he struggled. He's been in the team the last couple of weeks and he's done a lot better. But still, he, he's past what we need. So I'm battling yeah. mobile midfielder now. To watch out for for us, and, and it's, it's sad to say, it, it's, it's, it's our goalkeeper. He's the best player by country mile. Also, we've got Calm, who, who's, who's playing across the back now. He's, he's very creative, but again, he's someone for the future. We've got Ethan Coleman, who we've bring, brought in from Kingsley as someone who's being chased around um, sort of the championship after him. We've got him in. He'll be a good player in a couple of years' time or next season. He's got to get used to, to football league. But there's no standout, and that's the problem, Lee. There's no standout player that I can sit here and go, oh, when blah blah gets in the ball, you're gonna have to you have to worry about that. Yeah, Theo Archibald, another great player, but on his day, very good. But he's inconsistent, and that is the problem. We are so inconsistent, and even if we do get the chances, we can't put them away. And 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 that's and that's the sad thing. We are conceding goals now where we weren't early in the season, and we we're going to struggle to to demonstrate and show you anyone of great quality. But you know it. What's going to happen? Paul Smith, the the player that hasn't scored for, and hasn't started for a while either. It could be your Achilles heel, you never know. <laughs> well, like I said, well, for the game earlier this season, he was just an absolute nuisance for our defence, and I think he made a big difference for you in that game. Um, well, I won't keep you too much longer, because I know you're on a, on a long drive today. So, um, uh, before we finish up, you got a prediction for this weekend's game? Pr- prediction? Um, we was hoping it was going to be played at your place, and it was going to be <laughs> snowed off, so... Um, Prediction for us, we've got to have a new manager bounce, everyone. We've got to have a bit of a couple of days in the training field with, with someone who has breathed and, and lived playing at Orient and, and understands what it's all about. And, but the players should understand it as well. So I'm, I'm thinking this is going to be a, a 2 one but it's going to be a boring old fixture. It's going to be a <laughs> bit of a slog fest. We'll, I think you'll go 1-0 up because that tends to be the case at Orient at the moment. We'll come one back before half-time and in the second half it'll be end-to-end and it'll be a failing on your part, not an execution on our part. We will get that extra goal and we'll, we'll all go home Saturday 2-1, two, 2-1 two, up to the good and starting on hopefully our move back up the Football League. If you'd asked me before today about what I would have said, I probably would have agreed with you. 
But now we've got Simpson in, I've got I'm a little bit more confident, but not not that confident yet. We'll have to wait and see. Julian, thanks for giving up your time and all the best for the rest of the season after this weekend. And like you said to, to me when we did a bit for your pod, I really do hope they always stay up like us because two great football clubs and it's always a, a cracking away trip, even if I'm not doing it this weekend, sadly, due to the, the cost of the train journey down. Listen, mate, um, take care, yeah, and we wish you every success after after Saturday. Okay, thanks once again to Julian from the uh, Lowdown podcast for giving us a, a bit of a, a rundown on what's been happening at Brisbane Road in terms of, you know, the big management change this week. I mean, one that we certainly, at the start of the season, thought he was going to do a lot better than uh, he has done, I think it's fair to say, Dan. Um, There's a bit of a similarity with us, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. Especially definitely. in terms of form, you know. Yes, absolutely. Um, Massive game. Okay, so then before we get on to pre- previewing the Leighton Orient game, uh, Mike has provided us with a question again. Um, the problem I've got is I've labelled them both Paul Simpson something, and I can't see which one is the question, which one's the answer. So I think I know which one will be which. So I'm hopeful that this is going to cause an issue here. <laughs> so here I think is the question. It's a Paul Simpson related one rather than a um, Leighton Orient or Russia one. So here's the question Mike has given us. During his first spell at the club, what was Paul Simpson's win percentage? And again, I'll let whoever is closest to the two of you win the carrot. Ooh, that's a good question. No, no googling that one while we're listening. Don't no, you? no, no. I'm just trying <laughs> to think. Trying to think. Because obviously, you, the, the thing with it, you've got to remember, is he had that horrendous run in the first half of the season. That he yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. That's a good question. That one. We'll, we'll come back to that one later. Um, my question for you, Dan. Actually, I was going to do a Paul Simpson Ray once. I've got one quickly for you, and you can have a quick try at this later. What do you? What was the lineup in Paul Simpson's first game in charge as caretaker, which I think was a two-two draw against Southend? So, can you remember what his the lineup was, the starting lineup for that game in the match against Southend? Two-two so with Southend. I Which think it was anyway. I'll, I'll double check that one in a minute, but I'm I'm fairly sure uh, it was a two-two draw with Southend. So we'll we'll come back to that one later, won't we? Um, so let's get on to previewing the late Orange game. So one of our favourite away days of the season. This one, isn't it, Dan? But unfortunately, neither yeah, are going to be able can't to go. Make it. <laughs> no, I, I had a look at the train times for getting down for it, and I thought, oh, God, the trains are so expensive. Why is that? Completely forgetting, obviously, the fact that uh, Liverpool are playing in the League Cup final on Sunday. So that's the reason why I can't get yeah. any cheap train tickets. Sadly, down for that game. Um, referee for this weekend's game, Carl Boyson. Um, it is 20th season as an EFL referee. One of, I think he is the longest serving uh, referee in the Football League these days. Um, taking charge of 18 games so far this season. Not as many as most, so probably easing himself down, isn't he, a little bit. I mean, imagine he'll get quite tired after games these days. Um, so, yeah, he's um, 18 games a season, handing out 68 yellows and two red cards. He last took charge of a United game back in February last year. The 3-1 home loss against Oldham Athletic, Tanner and Anderton were booked that day. I remember that game because that was one of those ones where we were like, oh, this is going wrong now, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of like a bit of a wake up to like, ah, this is actually not going to go very well this season. And I think it's fair to say. Um, sorry, I do apologise. It wasn't a 2-2 draw with Southend. It was a 0-0 draw with Cambridge United. It was his first game in charge on the 30th of August, 2003. So there you go. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to that one. Uh, no, no, okay. Yes. Okay, so I'll have a little think about that one. Um, head-to-head record against Orient is going to be our 60th meeting against the O's. Uh, we've won 23, drawn 15 and lost 21. Last season, Orient finished just below us in the league, actually. 11th place, we finished 10th. Um, 
I think everyone remembers right, that. That, cr- seems, that seems forever ago, doesn't it? I know everyone remembers that game towards the end of the season against them. We won in the last minute, wasn't it? I think with a was it a Coyote penalty? I think or was it someone? I can't remember who scored it because Zanzala had come off injured. In fact, it might have been Alessandro. Actually, I think it was three-two uh, win, wasn't it? At, at Brisbane Road in a bit of a balmy dead rubber. That one was it. I think it's fair to say this season they're in 18th place, currently on 33 points from 30 games. That. Leaves them five places and five points ahead of United, having played the same number of games. Manager-wise, well, it's all changed, isn't it, Dan? Kenny Ooh. Jackett's gone. Matt Harold is in the hot seat. Might, might remember him. He's a he's a former striker with the O's, also with Bristol Rovers, which is probably his best one of his career, and Yeovil Town. Um, alongside a youth team coach, Brian Saar, he'll take charge of this weekend's game. Not sure about beyond that. I think they're waiting to see whether they get someone in quickly or not. Um... Yeah, it'll be pretty unclear as to how things are going to go, isn't it, in that sense? Because, you know, we've never seen, he's never coached at, obviously managed at first team level before. So, how that'll pan out, it'll be very interesting to see. Um, they're, they're in a wretched run of form, it's fair to say, and that continued in midweek with a 2 0 loss against Bristol Rovers, thanks to two first half goals. That's their fourth consecutive game without scoring as well. And I think, actually, if you go beyond that, I think they've only scored, I think, maybe one or two in the last seven or eight games. Really, really bad run in terms of goal scoring. Um, in terms of the form table, they're just above us in 23rd place in the last six games form. With last six games run of loss, drawn, and then four losses in a row. Um, looking through the squad, Dan. I think, I think it's 10 games in total they haven't won before. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really horrendous run they've really got. Yeah. And obviously, Julian mentioned in the chat I had with him the. <laughs> Little parallels of last season for us, where they had a, a really bad run in terms of COVID uh, over Christmas. I think they had a, almost a month without a game, didn't they? I think not necessarily all their games being affected, but it shows it can take the momentum out of a team sometimes, can't it? Um, looking at their squad, Dan, some some decent experienced players and a few bits of quality in there, isn't there? But it, it's surprised to see them down near the bottom. Yeah, uh, standout name in middle is Darren Prattley. You know, uh, Frank Newblay up front. Hmm. Otis Khan has been about, you know, there's one or two other names. You know, Omar Beckles stands out as a name. Yeah. Lawrence Vigano was getting a bit of uh, good talk a while ago, wasn't it? Julian mentioned that he's their best player, basically, which is is quite telling, really, isn't it? And like I said, obviously, Sack Jacket after eight months in charge, big things expected from him. I think we predicted him to be playoffs, didn't we? And it just hasn't worked out. And few players coming in in January. Otis Khan's one that stands out. He's one we've targeted in the past. And Frank Newblay as well has been linked a couple of times in recent seasons. Yeah. And there was there was a whisper that we were possibly bringing him here before mm. Orion came in. And yes, yeah. it's going to be no contest for the Southern best player, is it? No, definitely not. Although his missus is from the North East, isn't she? Frank Seemingly, Newblay, yeah. So, yeah. So I think there was talk he wanted to try and move north, but didn't work out. Um, well, let's quickly talk, because obviously we're a bit... Uh, strapped for time this week, aren't we, Dan? Um, yeah, typically. Uh, yeah, <laughs> typical, isn't it? Um, in terms of United ahead of this game, uh, injuries-wise, um, Callum Guy made a return last week. No problem. So that's good no, news to no, have him fit again. Um, Brennan Dickinson and um, Gimme Surrey are both sort of closing in out. They're still working on their training. Yeah. And long-term-wise, Kelvin Mellor, Joel Senior and Rod McDonald are there. I think there was a little bit of good news for McDonald, wasn't he? He's, he's mm. not quite as long-term as the other two, but he'll no. still be a little bit. Still off. be a while. Yeah. yeah. And uh, well, Magnus Norman did miss last week's ge- weekend's game, didn't he? Uh, Gabe yeah, Bruce was on the bench. Back spasm, I think it back was. Spasm, uh, yeah. I think he's had a problem with his back in the past, hasn't he? Possibly. So you just want to yeah. be cautious on them, don't you? So, uh, 
yeah, I'll see where the players are on loan. I mean, in terms of the team you'd pick for this game, Dan, I mean, Dennis and Devitt have got to come in, surely. You'd yeah, and 4 3 3, I'd have Dennis in the middle of Patrick and Gibson. I'd have Riley and Guy with Devitt as the three in the middle. And the back four. Same as last week? Yeah. Or would you bring Armour back in there? You you could possibly bring Armour in at right back. You could maybe see Whelan beside Feeney. You never know. Possibly. There seems to be talking. Will Simi automatically play? play, I think he has to play, hasn't he, surely? You'd think. There you go. Um... So there you go. I mean, I'd, I'd agree with you on that one. To, to be honest, I think that's that's the team I'd pick. In terms of the rush game, we're not going to go into too much detail because we, we we did a preview on them what, a few weeks ago, didn't we? So not not much has changed really since then. They're they're still not in great form, particularly. They've, I think, for them, I think they've only won two of their last twelve or fifteen or something like that. So not not great for them either. They they've really struggled down there at the bottom, but they've they've got a little bit of a buffer still at the moment. They're uh, currently sat in. Um, I've got it down here, sorry. Uh, 16th place on 35 points from 30 games. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're a little bit more uh, in a better place than United, but still could get dragged into it, couldn't they? Especially with a couple of plays they lost in January, I think it's fair to say. Um, their squad as well, we've covered that before, but, you know, there's a little bit of experience in there, but relying a lot on young players and some of the players they brought in in January. So, could be could be a tough one for them. I think it's fair to say. Uh, should we do predictions then, Dan? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go for the draw for this one. Yeah. I think, I don't think, I think it'll be the start. I'm going to go for a one-all draw and Dennis to open his account. Yeah. And for the Rochdale game? Uh, the Rochdale game, I'm going to go for a 3-1 win. And I'm going to go for Gibson to come back to form, Dennis and Devitt with a free kick. We're a good free kick, aren't we? <laughs> well, you know what? I'm really annoyed about that because that's exactly what I was going to pick as well. <laughs> in terms of, like the Orient game, I genuinely was going to go 1-1 with Dennis to score. So I'm going to stick with that as well. For the yeah. for the midweek game, I'm going to be a bit even more optimistic. I'm going to go 4-1. Goals galore. And I'm going to go for a brace from Dennis. Uh, a free kick from Devitt and uh, Joe Riley will get on the score sheet as well. So that's why I'm going to go for that. Here's what Mike predicted for those games. So seeing as Simo loves a target man, I'm going to go for 1-0 against Leighton Orient with Show Silver. And I'm going to go for another 1-0 against Rochdale with Jamie Devitt. Oh, wow. So he's, he's going keep, keeping it tight. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. There you go. Um... Okay, uh, before we go on, should we, should we quickly do the uh, answer to Mike's question, Dan? Um, yeah, I'm going to go 41.2%. I was going to go for... <sighs> I'm going to go around 50%, around 50. Okay, so 50% is yours. I've gone 42 so... Depends where we're in between that, possibly. So yeah. here's, here's the answer that, uh, that that Mike's got. I hope it's correct, because you never know these stats, do I will be checking Mike on Yes, indeed. It was 44.59%. So I just about win that one. Just, I think. It's very close. Yeah, yeah. But you'll be going double-checking that. I'm very sure about that. Yeah, anyway. right. Do you want to have a quick <laughs> quick crack at try and guess the, the line-up for that day, then? Oh, right. So when, when are we? Your three or four? August twenty 
2003, sorry. Uh, Matty Glennon will have been in goals, I'm yep. guessing. Yep. Do you want to go for the defence first? Defence. Uh, Peter Murphy and Darren Kelly. Uh, Brian Shelley will still have been here then. So that's your first three. What's your fourth one going to be? Ooh, fourth. Ooh. I'll come back to that. Let me let me think. Uh, midfield. In the middle. Do you have midfield I'll four? Go for, I'll go for McDonough. Mm-hmm. Was Summer Bell was here then? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll go for Brendan McGill. Uh, oh, had Chris Billy joined by then? Can't think. He signed in the summer of 2003, didn't he? He was one of Roddy's big signings. Right, I'll so. go. I'll go for Chris Billy then. Okay, and then two and strikers up front. I will go for so, oh, one of them's going to be obvious, isn't it? <laughs> Richie Foran, surely. And I'll go for Brian Wake. Okay, so you've got just got one more defender to pick, haven't you? So who's your who's oh, uh, defender, defender, defender? I'll go. I'll go on my Irishman theme with Desi Byrne. He he was sometime around there. Okay, you got eight out of eleven. Pretty oh, good bad, going. So so in nets was Matty Glennon, as you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, in defence, Brian Shelley at right back, Peter Murphy at left back, and then your central defenders were Darren Kelly and Lee Andrews. Ah, Lee Andrews. Your, your yeah, midfields. Yeah. Now, this is it gets confusing because it, it's kind of more of a 4 3 free actually when I look at it, really. But your midfield was Will McDonough, Chris Billy, Mark Summerbell, and Adam Rundle was the other one. Oh, Rundle. Bloody and hell, then up front, uh, Richie Foran and Craig Farrell. Uh, your Craig sub, Farrell, right. Your subs yeah. that day, your two unused ones were Peter Keane and Craig Russell. And your used subs were um, Des Byrne came on for Will McDonough. Brendan McGill came on for Adam Rundle and Brian Wake came on for Richie Foran. So you, you were you two, oh, your three, your three subs bad, yeah. actually did play. So you know, pretty <laughs> decent guess to be yeah, fair. That's a good effort, so, yeah, that's There we go. Right, let's let's quickly do the X Files section, Dan, because you've got a dash in a minute. So yeah, uh, X Files this week, uh, Saturday, Hallam Hope scored for Oldham, two 0 win over Bradford. The Shezer action uh, continues. <laughs> some bloke called McCurdy. Uh, yeah. Tom Lawrence was sent off for Derby. Uh, Jamie Proctor scored for Port Vale in a one-all at Tranmere. Adam Campbell scored for Gateshead in a 2-1 win over Spennymore. Sean McGinty scored oh, for Air in a 2-1 win over oh. Cali Thistle. And one of the regular Scottish ones, Daryl Duffy scored for Stranra. I think that was really early as well, that game. Mm. Uh, midweek, Olafola Olamola scored for Yeovil against Maidenhead. Uh, we mentioned earlier, Gateshead, uh, Kedwin Scott scored two and Campbell got another in that 3-1 win, which Taylor Charter set up Campbell's it's goal. beauty of a goal, uh, if you haven't seen it, go and watch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, really if you look on Gateshead Twitter, it's quite a good mm. goal. Uh, Mark Ellis got sent off for Solihull Moors in their 2-1 win over Wealdstone. Callum Higginbottom scored a penalty for Kelty Hart in the 1-0 win over Cowden Beef. And Jack Marriott scored in Peterborough's 2-1 defeat at Fulham. A couple of little bits. Uh, Harry McCurdy made the League 2 and the EFL team of the week, no surprise. Uh, we mentioned Ola Molder there. He's signed on loan at Yeovil for the third time in his career from Hartlepool. Yeah. And one we missed the other week, uh, trialist Brandon Comley signed for Dagenham and Redbridge until the end of the season. 
Uh, good move for him, that. I think it's fair to say, you know, I think he's he, he sort of been based down that way, hasn't he, for a while. So, decent yeah. decent move, certainly. And, uh, you know, Dagenham might pick up a little bit, possibly, from that possibly. Yeah. Well, there you go. Anyway, that's it for done for this week. Um, thanks once again to our sponsors, well, London Branch. I, I was just going to say, we, have, we haven't really covered Rochdale, have we? No, we, to be honest, we just haven't had time. And, and to be honest, yeah. like, like we've said, we, we covered the Rochdale uh, away game the other week, so there's not really a huge amount to add beyond that. There have not been any signs or anything. So, so yeah, we'll, we'll also cover that in depth in terms of a review next week when we do the review episode. But there you go. That's the, uh, the two games covered. Um, Dan? Thanks once again for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks once again, everyone, for listening. Um, we'll be back next week reviewing those two big games and uh, hopefully looking ahead to a massive game at Oldham. That, that's the big one now, isn't it, Dan? I think it's fair yeah, to say. Yeah. That's the huge one. So, yeah, thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, up the blues. Up the blues.